Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Jay, and like always, we're going to start off with a scripture and a prayer. And the scripture is coming out of Jeremiah 31 and 3. And it says, and from far away, the Lord appeared to his people and said, I love you people with a love that lasts forever. That is why I continue to show you kindness. God is going to show you kindness in the midst of chaos, in the midst of your trial. He's still going to be there for you. He's still going to help you. He's still going to bring you out. Even when you don't deserve it, God still has your back. Amen. I, I just want everybody to know that despite how gloomy it looks, God got you and God will continue to have you because his love isn't on oh, on a, a scale of what you do for him. It's based off that he loves you enough that he'll be there for you even when you're lost. Even when you have lost your way, he will be there for you to help you through and get you through back on the right path. Well, dear Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this day. God, continue to bless us, continue to help us, continue to be with us, Lord. God, we can ask you can, can in the you, name of Jesus to just help us, God, to, to be in the room. Let a seed be planted today, God, that we could be able to find a solution, God, that is led by you, God. Yeah, you God, we, we, you're, you're the... You're the I am, you're the alpha and the omega God. Continue to be there. Let someone out there be able to hear something that can help them get closer to you, God. We say that all in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. And we are here and welcome to Anointed Radio. This is Pastor Jay. And you can always find me at Anointed Jaylon on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Facebook at Jaylon Calhoun. And we had some drop-offs. Oh, there you go. So I introduce myself. I have my co-host here. We got Chris Johnson out of Chi Town now. Go ahead. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It is Saint Chris J. Chris Johnston. Um, you can find me at SaintChrisJ.com, as well as uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Saint Chris J. Um, yeah, and I'm in Chicago. Amen. <laughs> and then we have the lovely, the love child, Dr. Marvin Netta Clay. Hey, y'all, what's going on? This is Dr. Marvinetta Clay, the love child. Hey, um, you all can find me on all the social medias. Anything that says Marvinetta Clay, Clay M, Dr. Marvinetta Clay. Follow me on my website, drmarvinettaclay.com, and um, listen for and support uh, Worship Forever, and also listen for some new music coming down the pipe and um, some other things too. But, you know, follow us and, and just support. God bless. Amen. And we have the great minister, Stretch Sanders, in the building. Peace and blessings. I am indeed Minister Stretch Sanders. I'm a youth pastor at Greater Evergreen Missionary Baptist Church. I'm also the president of New Era Las Vegas, which is a community organization. And as of recently, I am a radio personality with Power 88, the People's Platform, and I'm blessed to be on the show. 
Amen. And we have Chaplain Dorla Stewart. Oh, no. She's cycling. Oh, we had Chaplain Dorla Stewart. She's having technical <laughs> difficulties. Technical difficulties. Yeah. Man, that 5G is something else. Oh, there she go. There she goes. She's back. And she's circling the circle of death. All right. She's going to come <laughs> no, in. circle of life. Amen. <laughs> I like that. Change that up. Now we have Chaplain Dorla Stewart. Yeah, she's just having all kinds of issues. I'm having a bit of a connection issue. Nope. I'm having a bit of a connection. I'm going to switch to computer. So I'm going to sign off and sign back on. Awesome. So. With that being said, one thing I wanted to, um, to just talk about is we we had a great talk um, for the last two episodes where we talked about the incident that happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd. We talked with Faith Jesse where she was um, last week where she's been in the front line since the pandemic has started. Now we wanted to do this panel to kind of just open up dialogue. We, we've talked about it. Now we want to be able to find a solution, find some prominent people that's in the community, that's out there doing great things for the community in the city of Las Vegas and see what their point of view is of bringing a change. So with Minister Standard, I mean, Standard, Minister Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Minister Sanders. He has a standard, he has a high standard of excellence, amen. So <laughs> one thing I wanna start off with you is with what you're seeing in the community, what are some things that you would love to see put in place to make a change? Well, Pastor Jay, that's a uh, great question. First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited and honored. So I think it's really hard to just really blurt out because it's so much that needs to take place. But I would say when it comes to the system of policing, we need to obviously see justice. How do we get to that? We got to put some strategies in place. And so uh, speaking specifically to black people, I, we need to see, I would like to see us more engaged, us really understanding not just the street system, but also the political system uh, most people, if you ask them who they see the council person or if they live in the county or the city, they wouldn't even know. But things like that, right? Knowing who are the key players. We're talking about defunding the police, but everybody's targeting the city, not recognizing that Clark County gives 65%, if not more, of Metro's budget. And so really knowing, you know, how to maneuver. And I think that our people play chess while the oppressor is playing checkers. And so I would like to see us just be more educated and how we can start putting strategies into place that can hopefully bring forth solutions. Okay. So one thing I, I, I would follow up question on that is I think a lot of people don't know what defunding the police means. And with you running for mayor, you, you got, you ran for mayor, you got the stats of the city. Um, what would that look of when they say defund the police? Well, it's simple. So it can be two ways. It can be actually defund in a sense of pay cuts, which I'm opposed to that as well. Uh, my mother said, if you want to get your point across, hit them pockets. 
or it can be defund the police in the sense where we're defunding their annually annual budget. Um, there's also corporations that help sponsor the police union, defunding that budget. And we say defund, we don't mean just defund and just leave that money idle, but defund and invest in schools, invest in educational programs, give more scholarships, invest in early childhood development courses, invest in mental health. Some people who are in prison and jails have mental health problems and mental health issues. And so it's not even a matter of defunding, it's more so like prioritizing, you know? And if we resist that, it makes us believe that, like I believe in my heart, that we want prisons, we want police officers because we want the system uh, that plagues and produces crime. But we know that if you invest in resources, it's statistically proven, if you invest in resources, crime will drop. You know, the crime, me being from born and raised in Chicago, the crime in Chicago is also in neighborhoods where schools are closed, in neighborhoods with no community centers, in neighborhoods where there's no jobs, right? Uh, they either going to sell weed or, or work at McDonald's. It's safer to sell weed because McDonald's, you, you know, you're risking crossing in gang territory, having your life taken. And so we can create more job training classes and also invest in organizations that can start uh, creating conflict resolution centers that can walk between the gangs to make sure this gang doesn't attack this gang. But we don't have those type of programs. We just say, give more police in the streets. And that's been proven that that actually uh, escalates the crime and the violence because we have a trigger when it comes to the police. And so you're giving us more law enforcement. It makes people act out opposed to uh, changing their behavior in a different way. And so I think that we need to just defund and that defund uh, statement really just means just prioritize the funding, pull mm -hmm. back from some of that budget. You know, they cut, they cut, I think a million dollars last year uh, from Clark County to give that to Metro, right? We should never be that more invested with crime and less invested with uh, wages, living wages, more invested with housing for those who are on the streets. Like that should be our priorities. If we wow. invest in those things, the crime will indeed go down. Amen. And 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 I definitely can to say say something to that is that I know personally with the school district, the school district has cut the school funding because there was a misplacement and a not accountability in the school district where the school district last year had 69 million and now they cut them down to 39 million, taking about $30 million away from them due to, you know, obviously if you can't account for how much where the funding is going and you know, that shows a cutting. So it's the same thing. I think just when people hear defund the police, they think, oh, there'll be no police, which that's not what people are asking for. People are just saying holding more accountability and bringing more programs to assist, like what you said that was dire, mental health. There's a lot of mental health issues in the city, you know, going with the homeless population, going with people that have um, sped issues that need help. And with that, if there were more, I guess you could say pro programs of intervention, it would stop from it being a crime. And man, I'm gonna just say, and God right now in the name of Jesus, let us be able to get through this without technical difficulties in Jesus name. Amen, I rebuke Satan and all his traps and trying to stop this conversation. But one thing I want, one thing I want to ask you 
is how important is it for people to know their community um, and how things are ran? It's so important because, you know, as the word says, our people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Mm. You know, knowledge is power. That's not only a, a public enemy fight the power statement, but that's also a biblical uh, statement, which is so true. And so we need to know because in knowledge, you're able to navigate properly. And I think when our people, we're bringing uh, spiritual knives to a spiritual gunfight, you know, and we need to be understanding what we're up against. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of voting, but I do advocate for it because I understand that's the strategy, right? But mm -hmm. we can't just talk about vote, 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 vote. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan. But we need to talk about the process of voting. And that's why I advocate for it, right? Vote for who? You know, what does that right. look like? So it's so much. We need to really get back to the, the basis of education. And so that's why it's important to understand who's who. And I think that as a church, we play a huge role because, you know, 50 years ago, the church was the center of the movement. Uh, Dr. King and all those, you know, they organized in the churches and they made sure their congregations knew who was who. That's how the whole thing got started, where the politician comes to the church. That's where that comes from, because the politicians not only went to the church, they were members of the church. Right. So nowadays, you see where the politician comes to the church after they speak and do they spiel. They gone. They don't right. stay in worship. They don't stay they and interact. But You're back right. in the day, you know, Deacon Elbert or Deacon L.C. Jenkins the, uh, the third, he was not only a deacon, but he was also running for something. He was a, or a Mother Maddie was a school uh, teacher. It, we were involved. So when we asked for our vote or we asked for support or donations, it didn't look iffy or suspicious because we was a part of that church community. Nowadays, the church, the people, and a lot of pastors are at fault. We let folks come in and use those uh, religious platforms uh, really for personal gain. They may write the church a check, but it's just a photo op, right? And then the church is left going, okay, he's a, he's running for Senate, but what district? Oh, he's running right. for assembly. What's an assembly person? Right. right. See, if the people wasn't so big on just coming and giving a spill and leaving, we would know that. Like I said, 50 years ago, the deacon was running for these positions, even up to the 80s and 90s. And so they wouldn't just do a mad dash. They would actually say, okay, uh, after service, meet me in the fellowship hall so I can tell you more about my position and my role. We can do that now, but we don't put that pressure on the politicians. Don't come in my church and give a spiel and get folks to ride up and can't even stay for the complete service. Right. Can you stay and be in the fellowship hall at 12 o'clock or one o'clock and explain to folks on why your position is so valuable? Because when they speak, mm -hmm. they speaking on a position of vote for me. Uh, 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 uh. Right. They explain or they say, if you don't vote for me, this is the repercussions. But they don't talk about the power of the position. Mm. And that's why it's important to know who's who, because if they did that, more folks would vote. More folks would take it seriously. And people wouldn't be disappointed when they vote and don't see the sporadic change because they come before us and they make it seem like if you vote for me next month, you're going to blink, hallelujah, and everything's taken care of. Opposed mm -hmm. to saying, hey, this is not a solution, right? I can't save you. You got to play a role too. We can do this together, but it has to, but that conversation has to be uh, put out. And it's not put out like that. It's almost like 
uh, idol worship. You know, I'm the big, you know, Kahuna. I'm coming to save you. Vote for me. And then before the, the choir can get up, they bounce the back door. Right. Well, one one thing I could definitely say is um, going to what you said. Knowledge is power. And I've I think I've been saying multiple times about I didn't know that judges had to be voted in. You know, that's something that that goes down to what you know, what you're talking about. And everyone talks about president. Right. But no one knows about the school board. You know, no one knows that you vote for your district attorney, you vote for your judges, you vote for, you know, your your state assembly who makes up the laws for the state. And then which you go for county commissioners who makes the reg regulations and the laws for the county. And, and, and those are the things that affect you right now. You know, federally, when you go for the president, you might see things trickle down. But the things that are your everyday, you're going to stand before a judge for something. It could be for a ticket. It could be for um, ch uh, ch family services. It could be a civil suit. And if you're not having the right judge on board, you can't complain if you didn't vote and did your research for the right judge in place because that's a six year position. And I, I think I've been preaching that for the last what Dr. Clay for like three to four months now because it's so important about judge the judges because the judges everybody Very has to realize someone answers to a judge even the president answers to a judge so th those are important pieces and the community needs to know these things so uh chaplain dorla i, I, yes. I want to ask you this question um we're talking about you know solutions for the valley of how it can be I guess you could say more educating and, and more um, prevalent for the community to be more involved in its community. And what would be some ideas for you um, to put out of how it can be a balance or how it can be um, a way of change in the community? Well, change in the community is going to start in the families. It starts with the family. If you don't have the family buy-in, then the children won't buy in. If you look at the recent events, these children were brought up and they were told some history. They have an understanding that protest works. They were out there really nonviolently protesting, but you have those infiltrators that go in and they're going to do what they're going to do, but they got it. They understand that they have a voice and they have something to say. So we start with the families. Now, how do we start with the families? That's, that's hard because generations after me and i was born in the 50s so i went through vietnam war i went through a whole different type of demonstration as far as police are concerned the black panthers were very prevalent when i was growing up so martin luther king kennedy lyndon bain all of that so i saw it all so we have to start with mom and dad and the only way you get mom and dad's attention is a George Floyd. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to say it, but now we have mom and dad's attention. So our platform now is Black Lives Matter, most definitely. We've mattered all the time. They built the country on our backs, literally. 
and then pushed us to the side and said, we're going to do whatever. We don't want you to be in our face. We don't want you to be successful because we see our pain in you. We see what we did to you, but we're not going to back down and say, we're sorry about it. Mm-hmm. But now we've got to push forward on that. We still got to go forward on that. And we've got to say, look, okay, yeah, this is what you did. But now here's, here's what you can do. Teach your children. That there is no color because we all bleed the same color. Teach your children how to get along and how to share. In my family, I have very selfish children and it awes me that they're selfish because we're not selfish. The adults aren't selfish, but the kids truly are. It's mine. Don't touch it. My 33-year-old niece put her 62-year-old aunt in the back seat. She wanted to ride up front. Selfish. So it starts with the family. You've got to put it there first. Now, how do we put it there? Church. That's where the whole family goes when they go church. But then we've got to be, we as ministers have to be bold enough to preach what's right. Not the fluff. We've got to be bold enough to say, yeah, you're black, you're white, you're brown, you're green, but we all have something in common. And that is we're children of God. We start there. And we need to teach the kids. They need to know what happened. Somebody has to be a microphone to tell them that there was a Martin Luther King. It's just not a name on the street sign. It's more than that. They need to see the footage. I showed my nieces the footage of the four girls that killed in Alabama or Birmingham. They got the footage of the bridge, Selma. I went across the bridge myself. I had to go across Pettus Bridge because I needed to know what it felt like, even though it wasn't that time. But I wanted to know, what did that feel like to march across that bridge with no protection at all and get beat down, shot and killed? So one thing that I, I'm, I'm going to be, and, and this is the question that you, I, everybody's probably heard. So with that, being at home, all right, educating the community. So now we're going to put it for, in the in aspect of the police officer, because every police officer isn't white. They're all different shades. And we have to look at this, that with when they have policy and procedure, I'm a military person, so I know about being able to um, pursue. What policy would they put in place that it doesn't put the officer in danger or the other person in danger? Because that's the I think that's the million dollar question, because, you know, I thought long and hard about a balance to be able to to make sure that everybody goes home at the end of the day. Because you put a mediator in the car with them. You have a third person in the car or a second person in the car that's been trained and in certain aspects and certain triggers. And when they see that trigger, that they have that authority to intervene. The thing about a policeman is the a policeman is God to themselves. You do what I say. You do it how I say do it. You don't resist and you don't ask questions. That's bottom line. Well, they don't understand in their training that they get that we're humans and we're going to ask you questions because we have a right to. 
ask you why you're doing what you're doing. They feel that because they wear the uniform and they carry the gun, they have the authority and you should shut up and just do what they say. I'm sorry, I'm being blunt. I'm being frank about it. So you've got to have something there to bring them back to reality. Okay. To say, hey, let me speak to them. Let me see if there's something that I can get from them that you can't. It doesn't take away your authority. I'm here to help you. You know, we're working hand in hand to try to get this done because no more black men need to get killed. So like a specialist, a, a de-escalation specialist, be exactly. able to tag along to be able to stop exactly. unnecessary exactly. situations. Okay, right. Mr. Church, right. same question. Um, I think that I always say this, that injustice put the fire out. Injustice started the fire and, and justice will put the fire out. And so start getting justice. It's so many cases that we can reopen, which will still cause people, like for example, the Emmett Till case, that woman who had her husband or ex-husband and a former brother-in-law kill a 14-year-old boy, she's still living. Right. So the same way they carry 78 year old Bill Cosby to jail, I don't care if she's 100, she'd be 101 in prison. That's how she was accomplice, right? And associated with kidnapping and a murder of a child. She should go to jail. Cases like that, because, you know, they keep referring back to Emmett Till that Trayvon Martin was the new version, right? But we ain't got justice for that person mm-hmm. 60 something plus years ago. And then work your way on down. Every case that has not got justice, reopen these cases. And to me, I agree with what Chaplin is saying. There's definitely some things we can do, like mediators, counselors. I don't think police officers should do welfare checks, wellness checks. Why are you sending a police officer to somebody's house who is mentally disturbed? This cop is trained to shoot, to kill, period. They're not trained to be babysitting. They're not trained to be a social worker. You got folks who have degrees and years of education. Send a minister, send a chaplain, send a, a you know, a, a, a community person, but don't send somebody who has a gun who's already scary, right? Cop don't mean courage. Most cops are afraid. Don't send somebody who's more afraid of the job than, than not afraid to do a wellness check. But as far as, to me, getting to the root of it is getting justice because the Lord put on my spirit that if we don't, you will start seeing people rise up and take the life of police officers. Um, people ain't playing. The burning down target, they testing the water. Yes, I'm telling you, that's the, this ain't this ain't the Rodney Kings. They testing the water because these 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 millennials and these the Generation Z these folks, they're tired, right? They look at you know what my mother's 57 her generation in the 40s and people in their 30s and how no justice has really been given to the masses of us and so for them being a generation like she said can be selfish they're not really trained on movements and and things like that most of the ones that's out right now they was young when Trayvon Martin got killed and things like that and so they're reactionary they're mm-hmm. not revolutionary. They're just right. reaction. They're just filled of emotion and rage and want to just be seen to do something. So if we don't figure out a way to channel that energy, but you channel that energy by stopping what brings them out there, 
What brings them out there and bring us out there is injustice. What will keep us from getting out there, whether it's burning or losing or riding, is by giving justice. If they knew that they would reopen it in Matil case and give justice, I think they would look at the world differently, you know, starting from old and working on down. But it's almost like we say defund the police. The police is mad. The unions are mad. Well, like I told the cop to his face, you got two options. Y'all can support the solutions that people are proposing. It may sound radical. It may sound radical to have a mediator be with a, a cop 24-7. But what do you expect? You want to have a professional, somebody who's a therapist step in? Or do you want to take a chance on somebody not respecting you no more because they're more fearful? And as I close, my mom always say this. A scared person will kill you more than a courageous person. That's right. When you're scared, you do have a fear. And so if I'm shaking and I'm thinking Mm -hmm. I'm going to get pulled over and they say any guns in the car, I'm going to remember. They asked Philando Castillo, did he have a weapon? He said, yes, sir. Showed him a permit and dude shot him. So they don't take nothing from somebody who has PTSD, who ain't wrap tight as it is, grab that pistol and lay down that officer. And it's coming to that point. And so we're going to avoid, because I don't want to see loss of life on either side. But I also understand that what's causing this, and I think we need to be mindful that we can't keep putting it on the people. Our people got to stop doing No, no, no. The cops, the police officers started this. Is every police officer bad at heart? No. But the system of policing, we all know, is not right. It has never been productive for black people. Your cool uncle, my, my father's a retired cop, so I, I grew up around police officers. Your cool uncle or the, or the brother who's a cop, they don't represent the masses of those who talk, like Chaplin said, like they God, hands on the wheel, license registration, they stern, and obviously that's towards our people, but they have no respect for us. And it's not really the person, it's the training, right? You have these white cops who ain't never been in black communities. All they know is what they see in boys in the hood and baby boy from right, our communities. Right, right, no respect right. for our people. <laughs> They're not in tune. They don't know the preacher. They don't know the pastor. They don't know nothing. Unless that path is a chaplain in the police station, they have no connection to the black community coming out there trying to regulate something. And once again, they're not trained on how to deal with a person who has had enough of police terrorism. That's what they need to train on. Understand that if he say F you, he's saying that because of what that person has experienced. That's not for you to say, don't disrespect me. You should be trained to say, hey, I understand you're frustrated. This is my first time meeting you. Mm-hmm. I get that. I know why you guys are upset, but let me try to be the one to give you a different experience. They don't ever respond like that. They go no, they from don't. zero to a hundred. Yes, they do. And so they they need right to be about. trained on how to deal with the hurting people who is traumatized. That's true. Right. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. I was and thinking that, about the young the person that just got killed in Atlanta at the Wendy's. Well, you know, backstory to that is he was on probation. And he was, that would have been his third strike, right? So now his thought process, and I'm not trying to figure out what he was thinking, but he didn't want to go back to jail. And he had told his wife that, I don't want to go back to jail. Now, he was not doing what he was supposed to do, but his fear of going back to jail took him to the place where it was. He chose his life, you know, over jail. And we shouldn't have to make that decision. Right. We should not be put in a position where we say, okay, I'm a third striker. If they take me in, they already told me I got warrants. That's why they cuffing me. And if I go in, I'm not coming out. We shouldn't have to make the decision to kill ourselves 
but we shouldn't have to be shot in the back either. So in your, in your closing regards, um, Chaplain Darla, what would you say as, as in closing? In closing, I would say black lives definitely matter. They matter, they matter, they matter. White lives matter, brown lives matter, all lives matter. But right now, we need to have justice for Breonna Taylor, definitely. We have to have justice for her. We have to have justice for Floyd. We have to have justice for Mr. Stoddard. We have to have justice for uh, Mabry. All of them, because they were all killed for absolutely no reason at all. It could have taken a different turn. There's no reason why I'm in the back of a police car and you pull me out of the police car, pull me around to another police car, I fall to the ground, you put your knee on my neck and then somebody else has their knee in my back and I tell you I can't breathe and you disregard what I'm saying. I should not be sleeping in my house, you break down my door and because I'm protecting myself, you shoot and kill me and leave. You don't even call 911. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm there. Come on, chaplain. You better preach. I'm there. Yes, justice for all. Every last one of yeah, them. You are right, minister. Yeah. You are right, minister. If we see some justice, it might not it might not get us where we want to be, but it will at least be a beginning. Right. Don't give them six years. Six years is nothing. That's what the guy in Chicago got. And he shot that boy, what, 27 mm -hmm. times, 17 times? He got six mm -hmm. years. The judge threw out, point and, point and click, the judge threw out the 16 counts and gave him six years. Now he's sitting on the bench again. That but part. I tried to vote every last one of them suckers out this time that I could. The ones that I knew that just sat there and we were just a name and a number. Oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one. So you're right about that. Do your research and know who you're voting in and voting out. Right. All right. Well, I, I thank both you guys for coming on. And we definitely appreciate your input and keep doing the great things that you guys are doing in the community guys bless you brother appreciate you so much for having us man thank you for having me hey man now all right so now my my two co-hosts chris johnson and and dr marvinetta clay who both just just on pause we're just going to go ahead and go into some music and then we'll be back with closing regards. Um, one thing I just wanted everybody to know is there go Chris. Sorry. I had to take an important phone call. So okay. that moves. All right. So we're going to go ahead. We, we can't hear Dr. Clay. So we're going to go ahead and hear, play some music. And with that being said, we'll see y'all in a minute, do some closing regards. And that's most of the show. So enjoy the musical break. Just know that God 
is still the head and in charge. And one thing I want y'all to know is that God will make a way. We can hear you now, Dr. Clay. But you are a conqueror. God got you. And we're going to go play <laughs> play this thing out. Dr. Clay, you have anything you want to say for uh, our play? This is so weird. Do you have anything you want to say, Dr. Clay? Well, we can hear you. So we're going to go ahead and go into some music. See y'all next time. Hope y'all enjoyed this com conversation. It was definitely a lot of great input. Definitely a lot of things that need to be said because it's, it, it's conversations like this that make a change. So see y'all in a minute. Let your glory fill this place. Let your all-consuming fire fill this tabernacle and purify our hearts. Surround us in this place. Want you to breathe new life within us. Send a refreshing love, purify our hearts. Let your glory fill. Let your glory fill this place. Let your all-consuming fire. Yeah. Yeah. Purify our hearts. Surround us in this place. Breathe new life, go within us, Jesus. Oh, yes. Come on, let's ask for the rain tonight. Let's ask for the rain. Say rain on us. Somebody needs him to breathe. Shower down. Shower down. Send your spirit, Lord. Send Lord, breathe on your people tonight. Shower down. Shower down. Send your spirit, Lord. Let your glory feel. Let your all consuming fire feel. Yeah. Surround us in this place.
Jam with us, come on. Crazy praises, come on. into the second half of the interview. We have Mr. Ken Young in the building. We're going to bring him on. Everybody, welcome Mr. Ken Young, everybody. Hey, Doc. How you doing? Man, I'm so, fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, we had Ministry Stretch on earlier, um, okay. right before our music segment, and we had uh, Chaplain Dorla Stewart and the community, the we were, as the community talk, table talk that we were talking about was this. Um, how can a change happen in the community when it comes down to avoiding situations that's happened like George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor and, and these situations without, you know, without handicapping both sides and with 
both sides being able to go home? Well, it's a multi-prong approach, man. So I'm, I have 29 years in, in law enforcement. Um, I've also had an extensive career as it relates to being a trainer or, you know, instructor over, over the years. What we saw uh, that happened to Mr. Floyd, that should have never happened. I mean, and it's never taught. You know, that's something that we just don't teach, you know, because of vulnerabilities, um, liabilities and things that all of those abilities, you know, uh, we don't. So at this particular time, it's a great opportunity for community members now to get to the table. So, you know, you go from the street. Now this gets to the table where the decisions are being made. Um, the, the sound has been made. It's been heard. So the attention is is, is there. So now is the opportunity to let me get to the table so we can help make those changes. Let me suggest some things that should happen. This is now where that happens. So people like uh, Minister Stretch and uh, Ms. Dow, this is where they get the chance to come to the table and talk to us that are making those changes, making those decisions. You know, so that's how it happens. Okay. And um, with everyone saying defund the police, what, what, does, that, what does that entail to you? Uh, being as you're in law, law enforcement? Well, the first reaction is, okay, when they say defund, you know, you think, okay, they want to get rid of us. And some of us do. Um, what I'm looking at, when I'm thinking about defunding, I'm saying, you know, that there should be a restructuring as to how the funds are allocated. There should be some additional mandatory training across the board. There should be some additional non-sworn that are added to the police's response uh, protocol whether it be social workers, uh, psychiatrists, people that can come in and assist with some of these areas that we're dealing with. Mental health is a big issue. Um, and we've been talking about that for the last several years. So when you're talking about defunding, it should be reallocating the funds. Amen. Uh, Minister Stretch and um, uh, Chaplain Dorla Stewart said the same thing. And Chaplain Dorla Stewart said one thing that would help in this situation is if a cop can be able to have someone to ride along that is a specialist, a doctorate, or someone that has um, experience with either someone with SPED, mental health issues, or even having them, instead of having law enforcement do a wellness check, have someone that's like social worker or, or a psychiatrist or someone who could deal with those special fields where it doesn't seem so alarming um, when someone is seeing a, a police officer at their door, they're seeing someone that's specialized, you know, with dealing with people in de-escalation. Yeah, um, I agree to an extent. Some of those cases, um, I would always say have a law enforcement officer with you uh, on wellness checks, man. You never know what you're walking into. Uh, someone is in there getting ready to harm themselves or is going to want you as an officer to take some sort of enforcement to help ease their pain, you know, so it's always good to go in tandem. Gotcha. Okay. So um, another thing that Minister Stretch brought up earlier, he brought up about knowing about the people that we're putting into offices, um, knowing the different judges, the district attorneys, knowing the state assembly, knowing what a judge, how a judge is voted in, knowing how a district attorney is voted in, who are they, you know, what do they do in the community? And what is your standpoint of having the community understand who um, is being put in these places as politicians go? May I wholeheartedly agree. Um, a lot of times when I've been asked for support, I'll ask the questions that are nonspecific to the office that they're running for. 
You know, what have they done in the past? You know, what community, um, what community involvement have you had in the last three years? What have you done? You know, how, how are you tied to this community that you're going to serve? I ask those types of questions. Amen. So what are some initiatives that you think that can be put in place to be able to make a better change? And I'm not even going to speak out nationwide. I'm going to just say here in the Las Vegas Valley. Well, here um, we're kind of ahead of the curve. Um, so there's 17 different law enforcement agencies here, Metro being the largest. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, post Rodney King, there were some initiatives that were in place where the community became involved with the decision making. So especially our faith based community where they will sit at the table with the sheriff, the chiefs and talk about some of the issues that people at that level would never hear about. They talk about, you know, some of the systemic issues that they see as it relates to how officers respond. Um, in the various communities. So, you know, as, as it stands right now, you, everybody just has to get involved again, going back to getting at the table. Right. And having these conversations and talking, uh, not sugarcoating, but talking frank about situations that's happening and how to be able to get to that by having everybody, you know, come together. And one thing that Minister Stretch said, uh, which came to a good point, is he believes that if there's more justice equal justice out there where when we see um, someone that did something obviously wrong, you know, a lot of times we don't hear that they did something wrong, but we know, and we now, especially in this millennial area where everything's recorded, even your food's being recorded. So when right. everyone can agree and say, okay, that is wrong. Now people want to be able to see that same standpoint of justice. Like if it was just a regular person that, did the same thing and mostly having justice for something that went wrong, that wasn't right in that standpoint. So where you stand on that? No, I definitely agree um, that we need to be held accountable um, for, you know, for officers and also for personnel that people that are coming against, you know, officers, you know, um, how should I rephrase that? Um, when officers are elevating, sometimes, you know, it's out of fear. Mm -hmm. And so from a community standpoint, what are they afraid of? Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. goes back to, I keep talking about hiring, you know, so we're getting people that come from the various communities. You know, that's a starting point. You know, that's something that people should be talking about at the table. As it relates to discipline, you know, the communities need to know that if an officer does something wrong, then the departments are going to hold them accountable. And the mm -hmm. discipline is going to be swift. And it's going to be consistent with what they did. Right. And I think Can, let me ask you, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Dr. Clay. I just I was just sitting here thinking about something. I thought about this a while ago and I was thinking about how years ago, you know, as you're coming up as a child and some of the questions, even in your first grade, second grade, they ask you what you want to be at when you get older. And a lot of it has always been, I want to be a policeman, or I want to be a fireman, or I want to be a teacher. And when you think about those those positions, they were always a respectable position to where people want, you know, kids wanted to be at. Nowadays, I don't even think that they even see that anymore. What do you think that really stopped that honesty from even for people wanting to even be in those type of positions, not just a policeman, but any policeman that has been something that that stood up for what's right? Wow. And that's a great question. We talked about that with a group of young people a while back. You know, law enforcement used to be that noble career field that people wanted to be in. 
um, we've been asking the same question. You know, where did we completely go wrong where now it's going to be tough over the next five to 10 years to get people to come into this career field? Um, mm-hmm. People that are in my my bracket, we're going to retire within the next year. So who's going to take our place? So we're asking the same question. I wish I knew. I wish I had a great response to come back and say, here's where we made the biggest mistake. But I can probably give you at least 10. Um, the things mm-hmm. that you're seeing that are on video now for our communities, that's not new. It's just right. now on video. Right. We've been saying this forever. Right. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we've been saying this forever and people didn't believe us. And now, you know, it's like you're seeing it and everybody's going, yeah, we have a problem. Yeah, Houston, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing I think is, is it's just showing clarity. Like I've been saying, every preacher said 2020 vision, but I really feel like it's more clarity of how things were ran and how systems have been put in place. And when you have clarity, you are able to see your weak areas. Like it's just like a fence. You could, if, if you have good vision of the fence, you can be able to see where the weak points are. Right. And then right, right now I just feel like God is just showing us the weak points in society for us to be able to fix it, not to just complain, not to just talk about mm-hmm. it, but to be able to fix it and come together because communication is key. You know, um, I, I've met a lot of people that always ask, you know, how can I be able to get through to someone? Communicate. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people think that's, you know, the hardest thing to do. But really, it's really being on both ends, being able to listen and being able to interject. And when we can be able to get to that point, then I believe that that's when the change will come for both sides to be able to make a solution that doesn't handicap the police officer and putting them in, in, in harm's way or being able to have the civilian to feel like they're always at alarm or at, on alert because they never know if they're going to get, you know, on the wrong end of the wrong officer. Right. Right. So one thing I, I definitely want to say is um, what any what's um, any closing regards that you would like to put out there? Um, you know, it's amazing how timing God's timing is, is that basically he shut down the world. And Mm -hmm. though, so we had some, we're talking about clarity. Think of if we had been in our normal process, would this have been as big of a deal because everybody was Mm -hmm. so busy doing so many other things. Right. Not at all. You know, so now is a great opportunity for everybody. Now change can happen because we're all focused on pretty much the same change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, change, change is here now. So now what are we going to do? We, the attention is here. Uh, we've shined. The light is shining on specific issues. What are we going to do with the light? Right. That's Amen. True. Well, everybody, Captain Ken Young, everybody, we appreciate you coming on. Much love. Keep doing the great things and stay safe out there. And thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you, man. Be blessed. Amen. Appreciate you, Ken. I appreciate you. Bye bye. Amen. So that we've had someone that's out there doing leading the pro, peaceful protests. We've had Captain Ken Young. We've had Chaplain Dorla Stewart, who was a chaplain for Metro as well. So we were able to all talk to them, and get different points. I hope whoever's watching or listening is being able to hear these points. You know, these points are not. I know I've just focused on Vegas today, but that was purpose because the same things that our city could do, your city could do too. But the number one thing is communication, seeing what point of 
balance that we can all get to to be able to get the common goal. And tonight we heard about justice, equal justice. When it comes down to when someone is doing something, equal justice. We've we've found that you know getting more other services to be able to come with those police officers to do de-escalation and to do wellness checks. We've heard educating the local citizen in your city about the judges and the DAs and everybody's going for election because guess what? Everybody gets voted in and they have terms. So knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. Let's start the conversations. I hope this started a vocal point for the conversation and let's get out there and start making a change because we can make a change united because united we're strong divided we fall that's all i really say uh minister dola what you got you got anything who i say you got anything are you talking to me yeah you said Minister Dola. Oh, like, I said Minister Dola. My bad. <laughs> just Dr. Marvin Clay, the love child. I, I'm just glad to um, to have heard each one of them, and each one of them spoke from their heart as to um, the things that they see and the things that they believe that can be put in place. Um, did I hear some hurt? Did I hear some some honesty? And did I hear some for real? us you know just taking things to heart yeah i heard all of that and i believe that you know everybody has a part in making change everybody does mm -hmm. whatever that might be everybody does and so um if if somebody says it's not important to them then they've just been ignorant to the fact but for for what it is and as you said clarity this year has been clarity in so many ways and the way God did it, it's just unbelievable. I'm like with Ken, it blows my mind how God did this thing and how he's still doing it. Right. Do we want to see anybody else lose their life for no. nothing? No, we don't. But I also have to look at Jesus. Jesus, you know, went to the cross. He got crucified. He got, you know, people talked about him, scorned him for nothing. They, you know, they found no fault in him. And so, you know what I'm saying? Jesus went to the cross because he had an ultimate price that he wanted to, to pay for our sins. However, right. did he have sin in him? He did not. Did he, did he uh, commit a crime? He did not. You know, he was actually doing the work of his father. And so I have to look at, in, in that sense, of, you know, we're going to be crucified. We're going to be talked about. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through all of that. It's just senseless that people are doing it to each other because of a power struggle. That's right. the part that's horrible. And so I'm just praying that things really turn around and that it actually start at point A and don't skip no points because every point makes a better connection. And so that's what I'm believing, that each connection will get greater and greater and change will come. And not just for the African-American culture, but for everybody, you know, so right. that it'll be fair across the board. I think about it, and I'm just saying it like that, when, when um, 
Chaplin was talking about it, it brought some back to my mind and something she was saying and something Stroke said was that it has to be fair. If one person have committed a crime and they, they went to, to the judge and was charged whatever they were charged and that other person that's of a different color had the same charge, but then yet they got off, that's not fair. Right. That's not fair at all. So, you know, it has to be fair across the board, regardless of what title you have or what um, elements you may be and what level you may be. It's just, you know, you've you, you done something wrong, then that's a repercussion. We all know that. So it needs to be what it be and not give fairness to those that because of whatever the color of the skin is. It shouldn't be that at all. And I mean, especially if we're going to live up to the Constitution. I'm just saying, if that's if we're not, then we need to take them bad fellas down. That's just my point of view. But we just got to keep doing what we're doing, keep praying, keep trusting God, believe, believing that everything is going to work itself out. But we have to have patience enough and wait and know that the process is going to take some time. It ain't going to be nothing overnight at all, but it's going to take some time. And all we got to do is keep doing what we're doing. And it's going to be all right. That's how I believe. Amen. And one thing I can say is, is, Everybody, we could we could change it. We just got to get to a point of knowing that we got to do it together. That's it. That's it. That's all. And that's the best way. I think Rihanna said it perfect. She kind of pre-tailed this time. The only way we could really get this change is if everybody's on board to change, because not if one person's affected, everybody's affected. So with that being said, much love. Make sure you go follow Anointed Radio on LV, Anointed Radio on all social media platforms. Um, go follow Sing Chris J, Chiquita Andrews, Shante Herring, um, Dr. Marvinetta Clay. She's there, but I'm going to say it for her too. And look out for Dr. Marvinetta Clay's new song. Check out my new single, Renew My Praise. It's going crazy. So definitely go check it out my testimony of the pandemic. It's like my own poem of the pandemic. So, Oh, don't forget. I'm, I'm in the business now. Oh, and make sure if you, <laughs> if you want you custom made shirt, hit up Dr. Marvinetta Clay. She has her own shirt business for your church, for anything that you're doing. Hit her up. Mm-hmm. Definitely check her out. Check out Dr. Marvinetta Clay.com. Clay Marvinetta on Instagram. And hit her up. She'll definitely help you out with your shirts, with your business, with your church. She's up and running. Let's be able to support our own. And uh, go ahead and go to SyncChrisJ.com. Go ahead, check out his new song. Check out his clothing line. And I think he has a mask now. So go go support. Go support each other. When we support each other, we're we're showing that we, we can be able to do it. All right. That's right. Whatever way that we could do it is by supporting. Support is key. Amen. So with that being said, I would like y'all to go ahead and we're going to end this out with a good song that I know someone made and it's called Worship Forever. So <laughs> see y'all next week, y'all. God bless. <laughs> Crying out to me in the darkness from where I can't see it says I hear I feel your pain and sorrow I love you 
So much I say, my son to die on the cross for your sin so high. Could shower you with mercy. I love you, Lord, and I need you. I worship you forever. I love you, Lord, and I need you, Lord. I worship you forever. 